Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series. A narrative let's play adapted and produced by Revoke GM. Combining in-game audio with additional voice acting through dialogue and descriptions to improve your listening experience. Rediscover the amazing story of the 1999 cult classic isometric video game, Planescape Torment, like you've never heard before. Despite the day's constant back and forth, you are filled with a charged vigor. Your mind races with esoteric symbols and incantations. Above you, the sigil sky bleeds once again to a murky black. Thick smog is streaming over from the nearby smokestacks, masking much of the light that flickers from the opposing wards above. At a guess, you have an hour at most before Antipeak, the city's darkest moments. As before, rummaging in the trash beneath the statue, you see the hunched figure of Nod, the Collector, muttering to himself as he goes about his scavenging. The velvet pouch from Mebeth's hut now contains about the same value of coin Amaris entrusted you to pass on to him. You jog down the mounds of junk and call out to the lone Collector. Someone comes to speak to Nod. I... Nod, I... I spoke to your sister, Amaris. You, you did? Oh, Nod's so happy. He is. How's Nod's sister? Tell him of Amaris. Tell Nod, please. His excitement sets off a long series of hacking coughs. When he can finally speak again, he asks. Is Nod's sister still pretty? So pretty? Yes, she is. She's, uh... She's a prostitute now in the hive. She is doing well and is worried for you. Not so pleased to know to know his sister is all right. He looks as if he's going to cry for a moment, then swallows hard. Uh, anything more? Anything more she said for not to hears? Yes. She wanted you to have these coins. She will also visit you as soon as she can find the time. Nod's head stops nodding abruptly, and his jaw drops as you hand him the bag filled with about a hundred copper commons. Beneath the dirt-brown hood, his eyes gleam with joy. This is such wonderful news. It is good, wonderful news. I... Nod thanks you, and and, and thanks you again, and, and, and thanks you a thousand times more, I... Glad I could help. Uh, farewell, Nod. Mort's subtle smile speaks of his quiet approval. Dakon's face is unmoved. He walks off towards the hive in silence. Dakon, what is your will? My will is that we would speak with one another... You said that once I had begun my studies in the art, you would share what you can. Your manipulation of the weave is very different to how Mebeth described. Are you still willing in this? Know that the way of the people is not the same as the art you have come to know. 
It is not the energy of the weave that gives us strength. It is knowing the self that gives us strength. The teachings of Zerthamon speak of such things. Well, would you teach me the way of Zerthamon, Dakon? Do you know what you have asked? The texture of Dakon's glaive begins to shift and flow until it becomes a stone. To walk the path of Zerthamon, you must know of the people. The knowing of such things by one not of the people is a difficult matter. There are those not of the people who have heard the way of Zerthamon, but they do not know the way. Dakon, I want to know of the people and know Zerthamon's teachings. I believe there is wisdom to be learned in such things. Know that I have heard your words, and I shall test them. To learn, you must know the people. To know the people, you must know the unbroken circle of Zerthamon. Dakon holds up the stone disc in his possession, and his spider-like fingers hook into its sides. There is a click and the plates of the circle slide into a new configuration. He reverses the motion, sealing the stone, then carefully places it in your palm and closes your fingers firmly about it. No, the first circle of Zerthamon is open to you. Study it. Then I will hear your words. Very well. As you begin to approach the hive, the skies begin to rumble. The roiling clouds have formed a muddy, sludge-like ceiling above you. As you look up, a few wayward drops fall into your eyes. Ah! Ah, it's like vinegar. Sulfurous smoke belching from the nearby forges has combined with the clouds. Suddenly, they break, and thick sheets of acid rain lash down in a heavy torrent. Ah, the Lady Shower. Hey, hey, Chief. You stick around in this long enough, you'll start to look like me. <laughs> not, not that that's a bad thing, of course. Quickly, under here. Dakon drags you into the shelter of an underpass between the leaning buildings lining the street. <sighs> Cramped into this hideaway with you is a shaggy-haired tiefling with short, sharp horns protruding from his forehead. His chest is covered by patchwork armor adorned with large spikes, and a long, elegant knife hangs at his side. He's picking his teeth with what appears to be a tiny metal fork. And you notice, he is missing his right ear. <laughs> Greetings. He regards you coolly from the damp shadows, as if sizing you up. I said... Greetings. What's the matter? Your other ear not working. The one-eared tiefling scowls at you threateningly. Back off, Burke. I'll have your guts for gratis. Just making conversation while we wait out the storm. I say, how did you lose that ear? His right hand drifts to the hilt of his knife. What did you just say? Just curious. <laughs> Behind every scar is a good tale. As you can see, I speak from experience. <sighs> Aye. It do look as though you've seen your share of slashing. He manages a small chuckle as he runs his fingers across the scars on the side of his head. At least you still have both your ears. <laughs> you still haven't told me what happened. Fine. I suppose a little story wouldn't hurt past the time. A while back, I bobbed an old petitioner's sod. His face takes on a sullen expression as he begins to relate the tale. The silly blighter wouldn't go along with it. 
go on. Well, so I has to get rough with the old sod. And while we were scrapping, he gets hold of me here and bites it clean off. Then what happened? Well, what do you think happened? The barmy sod bit me ear off, so I thumped his skull and put him in the dead book. I'm right sorry I did too. He glances around nervously before continuing. I think his spirit's haunting me. Haunting you? He nods and quickly traces a semicircle over his heart. Aye, it is true. Sometimes I hear his voice in the head, cursing and telling me how he's waiting for me. Ugh, scares the pants off me, it does. Well, maybe I can help you lay his spirit to rest. Stop him from haunting you. He takes a step back from you and cocks his head to one side. You can do that. How? Give me what you stole from him and I'll see to it that he goes away. I don't even know what you're talking about, Beck. He glares at you. Look, why don't you come clean while you still have one good ear left? <laughs> uh, a corpse, a skull and an old man. Uh, very funny. I suggest you get your mangled carcass out of my sight before I carve my name into you. Certainly. Just give me the fork you stole from him and I'll be on my way. With a flash of movement too quick to follow, he whips his knife from its sheath and begins waving it before you. Why don't you come and take it from me, Beck? If that's the way you want to play it. Oh, you sure do have a sharp tongue. I think I'll just cut it out and feed it to you. Let's dance. He lunges at you, <laughs> knife leading the way. You swipe the blade aside, gashing open your wrist and drive your elbow towards his chin. With your weight in the front foot, however, he swipes his leg under yours, sending your knee cracking into the cobbled path. He goes to slash again, but before the strike can land, a flash of blue from Dakon's glaive, and the blade clatters to the floor, streaked in blood, a few severed fingers rolling by his side. You feel the sting from the cut in your arm, your blood mingling with the acid rain, your eyes burning with vicious power. You focus the pain on the pools about you, and suddenly, they begin to bubble and hiss. With ferocious speed, you grab his bleeding hand and thrust the sheared knuckles into the corrosive puddle. Give me the damned fork, or it'll be the whole hand. He releases the fork from his good hand, and you tighten your grip. Your fingernails, sharp with fury, digging into the teeth of his wrist. He tries desperately to push away from you. Reluctantly, you release him. Oh, bleeding hells. He clambers to his feet and flees, yelping into the storm. Oh, it's a bitter with all of you. Whoa, Chief. You knew you could do that? I... I, I don't... I, I don't know. Let me know next time someone pisses you off. That way I can keep my distance. I did warn him. You pick up the small steel fork. This is definitely no prize piece of cutlery. Its steel finish is scratched and bent, and its tines are crusted with dirt. R remind me why you wanted this fork. This fork pays for our bed tonight. When the rain subsides, you find your route back to Arlo's flophouse. A welcome familiarity despite its odor and lack of privacy. A few patrons make an attempt at sleep, while others drain their tankards of stale mead. Standing apart from the rest is the man you were looking for. Fork? Fork? As you approach, Fork. Nestor stops his frantic pacing and glances at you nervously. Fork? 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 
can't go home without my fork. Is this the fork you speak of? He hastily snatches it from you. <laughs> my fork! F fork! My fork! 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 <sighs> he hops up and down excitedly, waving the fork back and forth in an elaborate pattern above his head, as if he were performing some sort of ritual. Then, with a gentle flick, the fork rings a delicate note. <laughs> now I can go home! Farewell! Ooh, ooh. Nestor turns to leave. Then, as if struck with some afterthought, he spins around and hands you a scrap of something soft and rubbery. The severed ear. He takes a step back, and his body starts to dissolve into a mist of grey before disappearing entirely. Upon closer examination, you notice that there is an earring still dangling from the rotting piece of flesh in your hand. It is made from polished obsidian. Despite the smoothness of its surface, it reflects no light whatsoever. In fact, the black gem this earring is made from seems to absorb light, drawing shadows in from the area around it. So, Nestor's gone home, eh? Maybe the old sod wasn't so balmy after all. He gives you a hearty slap on the back. Now, maybe we can all get some rest round here. Now feel free to set up Kippy or any time cutter. There any room for us now? Of course. You bloods can nab any bunk that's free. Day four. Hour. One after Annie Peak. I'm beginning to feel more familiar in the hive. And each new day uncovers more of my memories. I've met Dakon, a Githzerai warrior. He insisted on joining us in our travels, yet there's an unwillingness to his behavior that I cannot fathom. His skill with that glaive alone, however, makes him more than welcome company, and I feel there's much more I can learn from him in time. Mebeth, the midwife, has begun my training in the art, the manipulation of the weave. Although it seems that I already hold much of this knowledge within me. If I focus my thoughts, I am able to tap into powers that I do not yet wholly understand. I need to reach Farad. But I'm compelled to seek out these experiences and learn what I can. Thank you for listening to Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series, a Revoca GM production. To support the show and those involved, please consider subscribing to our Patreon or donating via our Ko-fi page. Links to both are in the description.